You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Amen. Thank you for that. We're getting ready to preach. We'll be in Galatians chapter 2, kind of be a finish off of where we were on, on March 23rd. So Galatians chapter 2, we'll read 16 through 21, and we will look at mainly verse number 20, and that is, of course, being crucified with Christ. So as we look, as we come to the death of Christ, the crucifixion, we're going to look at what it means to be, de- uh, to be uh, crucified with Christ. So if you wouldn't mind and join me in standing, we'll read these verses 2, verse 16 through 21. And join me on verse number 17. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the, by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, there, <clears throat> God forbid... For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I threw the law and dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Forgive me on that. I kind of having a harder time reading here. Uh, Sorry that we kind of got off kiltered on our Bible reading. But we'll we'll reread all those verses throughout the next segment. So we'll make up for that. How about that? Okay. Let's pray. Ask the Lord a bless and uh, just speak to us as we. Uh, just try to highlight some things and truly glory in the cross. Lord, we come before your presence tonight, just humbling ourselves, Lord, asking you to speak through, uh, Lord, me, uh, Lord, through my folly, my sin, Lord, through the things that I would like to say maybe out of flesh. I pray that you would hide those, Lord. May it only be through you and through your spirit. May I yield myself fully and wholly unto you. I pray the listeners would do also the same, but may the Spirit work through, and may they just grasp and see your word uh, open to them, Lord. May it just be, uh, as you said, Lord, line upon line. I pray that as we look at these verses, that we would just uh, catch your Spirit, Lord, that we would catch uh, the truths, Lord, about uh, truly having a greater motivation for living, and that is tied up all in Galatians 2.20. I pray that you would unlock that for us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to walk and that new life that you have given to us, that you would allow us and want us to have, Lord, because uh, you have so graciously given us your son. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all what, uh, what you endured for us. I pray that we would live in that, that we would strengthen ourselves in your sacrifice, and bless this time tonight, please. In Christ we pray. Amen. 
So small recap, if you remember a little bit, a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about the title was In Line with the Gospel, and mainly Peter, he is confronted by Paul, and Paul t- says you're not walking straightly. Uh, I believe that's actually in verse number, it is 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly, and we define that word in the Greek, which is orthopodio, which means uh, pretty much straight-footed. Uh, it is to be in line with. And so that is as much of, of, of what we're doing. Paul's confronting Peter, who was eating with the Gentiles, and then he backed away from them uh, because the other men came up from Jerusalem. And so we, we dove into that a little bit, and there was obviously Peter was out of line. Uh, he was a little bit nationalistic. Uh, he was even racism, uh, racist. Uh, but we see Paul, he didn't, he didn't call him on that. He called him on not being in line with the gospel. Interesting and amazing how when we sin, it's, it's, we have our sin, we have uh, what the effect is, but the, the root of that is that we are not in line with what God has. God is that, he said there's no respecter of persons, no Jew, no Gentile, and that we are supposed to love because God has loved all of us because he has paid that price. And so therefore Peter was out of line in retracting himself and we even saw that Peter even said that, spoke out of Acts. That was a little bit of recap. Uh, we're looking, we kind of ended on verse number 16. We, we read into it, we looked into it, we, we stopped right at that word justification. And so we were, we're going to pick back up at justification. And we kind of, we started building some groundwork and we talked about our own sin. And the problem with our sin is we don't see it, maybe you do, but I don't see my sin all the time as that bad. Uh, if, if we are looking as far as <clears throat> medical terms, uh, I often treat my sin as the common cold. I treat it as a sore throat. I treat it as I have an inconvenience for the day because my nose is running. I don't treat it like it is a cancer. It is a tumor that is infecting, that it is not just uh, destroying a part of my, my body. It is destroying a cosmic world. Uh, that it is so large on a scale that my sin, that I reduce it so much that it's just a mere behavioral thing. So that's what we got to. We're trying to wrap our minds that way. We could truly be grateful for all what Christ did on the cross. Uh, this morning during elementary chapel, we've been going over the names of God. Miss Sandy, uh, she actually spoke today's name of God, which is El Elyon, which is the most high. Humbling thought to think of the most high God suppressing and surmising himself to the ridicule and the mockery and the flat, the, the, just the flat out uh, torture and just the, the, the punk facedness of his accusers, of those people. Think of El Elyon, the most high, doing that for us. So when we get the proper view of our sin, when we see that, it begins to unlock some stuff in Galatians 2.20. But before we can unlock that, Peter, or Paul is saying, that we are justified. First time that he's really even uh, wrapping that word in for us. And that's where we get justification. That we are justified, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 16. Uh, that it is uh, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And not to keep going back into what the problem in, with the Gentiles is. That's just how the Bible, how Galatians lays it out. It repeats nonstop and it's adding foundations upon it. 
but we have this, this, this other group uh, of the circumcision. They keep coming in and bringing in that law, and Paul continues throughout to correct it. We won't go into verse chapter 3, but we'll see even more. Paul recorrects it in chapter 3 and 4 as well. It's all tied up throughout it. So uh, that is the recap. Now we're looking at justification, how it impacts us. And we see uh, that beautiful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made him to be sin for us. When the clouds overcame God, when God turned his back on Jesus, he was made sin for us so that we might be made, here it is, justification, the righteousness of God. Just praise be to God. And justification, it isn't to change what happened, it's to change the view of what happened. Even just today during dinner, our kids disobeyed. And as quick as I am to correct them, they, got, they need to be in trouble because they disobeyed a rule. But what does my cunning and smart daughter say? She tells me why she had to do something because she needed to use the restroom. That's why she left the table. That's why she didn't finish the food. Why she played continuously after that. That's, not, that's besides the point. But still... She justified herself. Now, it was still wrong to leave the table without. That's our rule in the house. We don't leave until we're finished, and we, we get out for that. But she didn't, we didn't even know that she got up. We just thought she left her plate there. So as I began to correct her, she quickly tried to justify herself in my eyes. It didn't change the fact that she broke that rule. What she tried to change was my view of why she broke that rule. She had to use the restroom, and that is ten times better than sitting in your chair. Uh, we don't want any messes to clean up afterwards. Uh, but that is, that is justification. It is to change what happened. It's not to change what happened. It's to change the view of what happened. And that is what God, that is what Jesus does for God when he sees us. We are still sinners. We are still vile. We are still condemned. But when God sees us, he changes the view of what happened. Now he sees Christ. And that is that justification. The opposite of justification is condemnation. And justification means that in Christ, we, though are sinners, we are under condemnation, but God accepts us despite our sin. So we are not acceptable to God because we became righteous. We become righteous, here it is, because we are acceptable unto God. Why? Just because God's pure love for us, that he would say that we are accepted even though we are vile sinners. And that's all because of that great work of verse number 16 that we see. Verse 17 and now we're moving on. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Let's unpack that. If we who have been justified by Christ are counted unrighteous, why would we seek justification in Christ? After all, if the law tells me that with Christ I, I can't merit that, that, that salvation, why would I then need to trust Christ if his death means absolutely nothing to us? This is Paul telling that to the, the men of the circumcision. He's saying, if it's not in Christ, then his death means nothing. By his preaching, by his victory over sin and death, either we are justified by Christ or we are made worse sinners by him. And obviously he says, God forbid, that is not true. We are not made worse by Christ. We are justified by Christ. So verse 17, he begins to explain that position in there. And then we have verse 18. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. 
The law requires perfect obedience. We see in Deuteronomy 27, 26, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and the people shall say, Amen. But we see later on, even in Galatians 3, chapter 10, how Jesus, how justification, how that is our redeeming work. And so here in verse number 17, I'm sorry, verse number 18, uh, it's saying, uh, uh, the, Paul is saying this to the, 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 uh, the, the men from Jerusalem here. Christ isn't the transgressor by freeing us from the law. You are the transgressor by taking us back to law and trying to rebuild with what, what we once destroyed. Or it could also even take into a, a personal illustration uh, to where you look at how many times we are saved individuals, but what do we often keep going back to over and over and over again? We keep going back to that same sin. So here it is, verse number 18, uh, that if someone professes in, uh, faith in Christ who keeps on that same sinful lifestyle, rebuilding that sin that Christ has destroyed, <clears throat> excuse me, rebuilding that sin that Christ destroyed, that person never truly really grasped the gospel and is just looking for an excuse to disobey God. And that's hard. But when I continue to go back after sin, it's true. If I am living in a life, a life of bitterness and anger and I'm rejecting the truth of God's word and not living in, in line with the gospel, then I am choosing in fact, my own savior, my own bitterness, my own life, my own envy, my own whatever sin I want to enjoy, I am choosing that and I am ba I'm back to build what Christ has destroyed. And that is what I continue to do in my life, that, that person that is sin. But hopefully, God, God forbid, we are not continuing to rebuild sinful uh, domains in our life. Verse number 19, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God and then, so for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. So because I died to the law, I can now live for God. We have to die to that law so we can live for God. But the false apostles, they said the very opposite continuously. They said, if you do not live unto the law, then you are dead to God. But the law showed Paul that he could never make himself acceptable through it. So he stopped living to it and he died to it so he can live to God so he can live to so he can uh, so he can have Christ as the savior so to be dead from the law means to be freed from the law and then verse number 20 here it is we know it uh, but I am crucified with Christ that first word I that's the evil eye that's the sinful eye before Christ I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me let's look at those verses real quick Christ is Lord over the law. He was crucified unto the law, and now I, too, in Christ, am Lord over the law. I have uh, my identity in Christ. It's a union. Union is when two or more things or people become one. You have a marriage union, two becoming one. We have a union with Christ. That is me, myself, and Christ becoming one. I am crucified with Christ. My identity now is Christ's identity. And we looked at that as far as justification goes. When God sees me, he sees that justification to change the view of what God sees. Now he sees Jesus in me. Praise the Lord for that. This is not speaking. A lot of times, obviously, we, have, uh, we are to kill the flesh and to mortify our deeds. And we are to do that. 
but this is so much bigger than just killing our flesh. Being crucified with Christ, it's, it's to kill sin. It's to kill the devil. It's to crucify the world. And much more than just my own dead body, this is even the, the greater enemies here. And when we realize that we have that power through Christ, then we can have that victorious Christian life. So it is now Paul that says, it is no longer Paul that lives, but he says, it is not yet I that live, but Christ liveth in me. And that's, that's Christianity summed up all together. Paul says, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. So it's no longer you and me, but we are in Christ. And now we live by God. And so I know we understand, we see that, but to truly grasp the, the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, it's to put myself that I have been crucified with Christ so that now I can live unto God. Now that I can live without restraints. And oh, I hate when we go back to those restraints, believe you me. It's so common in our life. But every time we see ourselves going back into that, it is not keeping Christ in the center of our life. And we understand that too. It's putting whatever is our common struggle back into that wrong place. It's rebuilding what Christ has destroyed. He has given us that power to have victory. So Christ lives in me. And then so instead of a sinner trying to earn his acceptance by works, I am now a saint accepted, beloved with Christ living in me. And going back to this is all in line with Paul talking to Peter. Uh, we, we started out looking at this a couple of weeks ago. We see that Paul is confronting Peter. And this is what he's telling Peter. How much more so do we need to be reminded of this? And so we see here a new motivation what the death of Christ, what the crucifixion of Christ gives to us, it gives us a new motivation for living. And that's what Paul's telling Peter. It's, it's to live for the one who loved you and gave himself for you. And that's the end of, of verse number 20. It says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that new motivation when you put yourself in Christ and you realize that you are just constantly wrapped in God's love, it does something to you. And if it doesn't do something to you, then you're truly not understanding the death of Christ. We're truly not putting the cross in the right center of our life. We have other things in the, in the, in the, in the seat of our heart rather than Christ. And that's what Paul is telling Peter here. I am, I am as loved by God as if I lived the life Christ lived. That's a, that floors me to think that God looks at me with the same love as Jesus, the same love that God has for his only begotten son. He has that for you and for me, for those that have uh, Christ in their heart. It's not that it's not me that lives, but it's Christ. And so today challenge is who is the one living your life? Is it you or is it Christ living through you? Uh, I live my life, I make choices, I do work, but when I do that, remembering who I am in faith in Christ, then it totally changes how I do things. It changes, and then you have to constantly remind yourself of that because an hour into work, and you're making the same disgruntled patterns, aren't you? But when you refresh and remind yourself that you are that new creature in Christ, it unlocks some stuff. Uh, when I see myself as completely loved, and holy in Christ, will I have power to repent uh, with joy? How many of you guys have ever prayed and asked God to forgive you, but have you ever done that with joy? 
you know, that's one thing that I have a hard time doing. When I confess my sins, I always liken it to a dog with his tail between his legs, sheepishly. But not to say, don't, don't get me wrong here, we don't have pride when we sin and say, Lord, forgive me. It's not smuggish, but it's realizing that, wow, Christ lives to make intercessions for me when I confess I now unlock this power that I can confess my sins to God in a joy, not joy that I sin, but joy that God has forgiven me, that I am crucified with Christ. And this word, it's, it's all Greek passive progressive, uh, passive progressive participle. And if you really look in verse, uh, chapter number three, verse number one, it says that Christ was crucified. That means he's continued. Now, Christ crucified is once and for all, bless God, praise God. But yet, that is a continuous action. That's where 1 John 1, 9 comes into play. That as faithful and just he is, he continues and continues to forgive us. Tomorrow, he continues to forgive us. Tomorrow after that, he continues to forgive us. So it is that joy. Not that I have to be a, a, a troubled kid and go back to God with, with sunken soldier, uh, shoulders. Though you should have, I, you know what I mean, you should have that. But when I realize that I am completely loved and holy in Christ, then I have joy to repent. I can help conquer my fears. Insecurities, that's big ones. How many of you, we go through life and we have these insecurities. We saw Peter with his insecurity, what he did when the men of the uh, Jerusalem came by, how he hid, and that was his pattern when he did when Jesus was being crucified. He also hid and he, 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 uh, he cowtailed in verse number, uh, what was that? That was verse number 12. That was, rem that was just... Uh, going back to what we already talked about, but when we have that walk and knowledge in Christ, we can confess these things. We can conquer our insecurities. We can conquer our fears because we obey the one who did all this for us. We, we realize that our life is in Christ. In verse number 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. That word frustrate is just to nullify. Uh, I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If we could save ourselves, then Christ's death is pointless. And we understand that this evening. We know that we can't do any. That's, that's all verse 14. We can't do anything uh, to earn God's love and acceptance. It's all by God's sheer grace. It's all that justification. It's the one who loved us in verse number 20 at the end. God who loved me and gave himself for me. And as we uh, get ready to near the end and bring it all home here. If, if your house was on fire, and you know the, the classic illustration, if I looked at your house and you had all your family, your dog, and even your gerbil uh, pulled out of the house, everything was saved, but the house was in flames. And I looked at you and I said, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And I run into your house and I die inside the house. That is comical, it's pointless, it's, it's foolish, it's not needed, it was needless because everyone was already safe. Once again, proving that we can't do it on our own, we need Christ. But if I look at you and for some odd reason I have more strength to run into a burning fire than you do as a father with your own kid inside there, I say, no, save yourself. I love you, man. Stephen, I love you. I'm going to carry that little precious Arabella out there. I'm going to walk out, but somehow in doing so, a beam falls on me just as I can spit her out, and I die inside that house. 
You know, I don't know all what's going to go through his mind, but I can bet you and assure you that there is going to be a daily reminder when he sees Arabella that there was a man that truly loved his family that sacrificed himself for that precious little girl. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we realize that we cannot save ourselves, then Christ's death means everything to us. And we will spend our lives in joyful service of him, bringing every area into line with the gospel. I know we understand that, but when we live that we can't do anything, it's all God, it's all Christ, it's all his redeeming work. It's the work, it's the finished work of the cross. When I live in that power, then I realize and I see that God has loved me. Now I realize I am made crucified with Christ. Now I can live to God. I can get some of these old bones, these old skeletons out, and now I can set myself in order, in line with Christ. Now, we're closed there, but I just want to show you a sneak peek interest into Galatians chapter 3. This is good. Let's just read these first five verses together. We got some time. Amen. We got nothing going on. Although we do have some, you guys got ice cream tonight? I have ice cream waiting for me tonight. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set before you, or I'm sorry, evidently set forth, crucified. That's that word crucified that I alluded to earlier, and that's the uh, perfect passive participle, and it literally is an ongoing, continual saying. The cross isn't just a historical event, but it goes on and on, and its, its impact and its power continues in my life every single day since salvation until the day God calls me home to have glorification, bless God. And so that's that, that's that continuation that we are crucified in Christ. This only would I learn of you, receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered, uh, and that's experienced that word there, so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. And then he breaks down into uh, proving this point by scripture, by Abraham. He concludes chapter four by saying the exact same Abraham and his two sons as he wraps it. Then it goes into adoption. It's very beautiful as you continue to study out the rest of Galatians. But Paul is continuously calling uh, the Galatians foolish that they were bewitched, which gives us really good warning because we realize as Christians, we can be led astray. Even with Christ living in us, even having that crucified life, we still see the reminders that we can get tossed to and fro. And here it is, uh, Paul continues to write. Uh, he says, verse number three, are ye so foolish having begun in the spirit? So that's having that faith. You had that true faith and dependence on God, on Jesus, on his justification. We knew it wasn't the works of the law to begin. And then he says, are you so foolish that, where am I? Here, here it is. That, that it begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So that, that sanctification work, now, now you're going to grit your own teeth and now you're going to make yourself perfect? Where's God in this? And look at verse number five. He says, he therefore, that's the father. Remember when Jesus uh, was taken up and he, this is Passion Week, uh, Holy Week, when he left his disciples, he said, don't be afraid. 
He said, my father will send you the comforter. So who sends that spirit? God the father. So here is the father. Look at his mercy. Look at his grace and his love towards us. In verse number five, he therefore, that's the father, that ministered to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? And just having our life centered on the love of God and that true dependence. We grow each and every day in our faith by depending on Jesus and on God and on the Holy Spirit and everything. They have made that perfect work in us. And we have to depend on that and live on that every minute, every second, every day, every week. When we start getting ourselves to where maybe it's more of what we need to do, that's when Paul is telling us we're getting bewitched, we're getting fooled. And we need to have that reliance back on Jesus. And we're looking at people that we do rely on Jesus. But for my own life, it's a constant, as Paul told Peter, it's a constant realigning. He said, orthopodial, walk straightly. And that is what we need to be reminded of today on the, on the brink of the death of Christ. Why can we boast in the cross? Because it's the only thing that we have to have glory about. Anything else is of us. In fact, Galatians 6 even tells us that. He says, the, the men, uh, in verse number 13, he says, For neither they themselves or the circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. And uh, even that, if you were to break down that, which that will be for another time, even that's pretty amazing what the words glory in the flesh mean. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, as we look at the death of Christ, Truly, what do you glory? Do you really glory the cross like Paul did? I know in my life, I don't come even close to that. But every time we don't put our glory and boasting, that word boast glory, it's joyously exulting. It is to truly look at the cross and have this, this overwhelming uh, passion that flows from us in gratitude and sincerity. And then not in a self-reliance, but in a, in a Christ-reliance and a boldness to truly live on and realize that we now are made alive in Christ. So today, what are you boasting after? I pray today that we get that realigned, that we walk in the line of the gospel, and that we realize that we are crucified with Christ. We're going to pray. We're actually going to hear from a special from uh, uh, Brother Stephen here in just a little bit, and I'd like us to join in on that. But as we play and as we sing, uh, there is a fountain. Would you use that time just to truly look at our hearts, look at our lives, and see what we are boasting in? Maybe we have got a little bit out of line, maybe as far as how Peter got. But may we be reminded that we are to walk uprightly in the truth of the gospel. This Easter weekend, may we truly live out the gospel in every area of our life. May we not just tell people it's the end of your life conversation, but may we teach them and show them that you need it for every day of your life. It's that reliance on God that truly sets us free and sets us in life, in alive with Christ. And so today, let's pray. We'll hear from this in just a second. Lord, we come before you, Lord. I just thank you for working and showing me some truths in the scripture as we dug through them. Uh, Lord, I know I don't come across anywhere polished or whatnot, but I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just use the words and speak to hearts, Lord. Uh, may they know the heart say was just truly to lift up, to build, build up, to edify, uh, to encourage, Lord, that it's not our own uh, strength that we do the Christian life in, Lord. That's foolishness. We do it in your love. We do it in your strength. 
we do it, Lord, we are perfected in you. May we truly have that reliance so we see uh, that we are loved by you and we have that new motivation of living. I pray our marriages would be strengthened because of the gospel. I pray our families, our kids. I pray truly, Lord, that we look at this Resurrection Sunday, that we would have hope, that we would truly be boasting and glory, Lord, in the cross. I pray that you would keep us, that you would hide us near the cross, that you would keep us near the cross. And may we just ever look to the cross where it is the greatest symbol of our hope and our life. And just as the uh, piano plays, why don't you have a moment of quiet uh, solitude and prayer to God, thanking him for his greatest sacrifice. Brother Stephen, you go ahead and play, and then we're going to join him in just a little bit. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.